0: on the mic john where you at
1: my mic sounds nice check one my mic sounds nice check two
0: (laughs) sounds like a brand new mic you got over there man
1: uh well you know there's this mythological creature that travels the uh you know the the uh polars and he's called the yeti okay i went ahead and had to go out there and trap me another yeti yeah those are the best mics
0: for podcasts man i think there's no better way to break that new mic in, and by talking about what it is we're gonna talk about today, and that's and that's Dilla, Jay Dilla, J D, you know, Mr. Yancey, however it is you wanna reference one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, producer I think of our generation. Now, if you notice, if you notice, I refrained from calling him a hip-hop producer, cause not because he didn't produce hip-hop music, but I think. I think what he contributed to the culture, what he contributed to music in general, was a, was so much bigger, so much broader than you know the label hip hop music. You know what I mean? I think he he transformed you know how it is you know we listen to music. He pushed it forward. He pushed the needle, as you as you like to say all the time, man. He you know he, he transcends genre. There we go. that's that's that's, that's what he meant to me. Nice. You know what I mean. Um, you know I don't want to focus on his death. I think you know we've done too many shows about that. You know you go to you go to any any hip hop podcast. You go to any any conversation about Dilla. You know it it, it inevitably focuses on his death and how he was taken too soon. And we also did a show on that already. You know what I'm saying. I think you know the the best way to to honor this man is to talk about his
1: contributions. What you think? You know I agree, 150%. I mean, it was, it, just let people know, you know, get a little peek behind the curtain. Um, when Scott and I talk, we talk a, way more offline than what we do on the mics. I believe you mentioned that, Scott, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, you know, right after we did our episode last week with the Untimely deaths, it was kind of like we were in each other's heads. We were like, we need to do something uplifting. We need to do something powerful. No doubt. And we both were like, Dilla. No doubt. Because who has touched Across yarn genres, who has who has touched all the biggest acts in hip hop, for the most part, other than Dilla, no everybody doubt. samples him, everyone samples him. I want to tell you right now, whenever I'm, whenever I'm in a bad mood, <laughs> or whenever I'm having a bad day, I just drop uh, Jay Dilla's Donuts and everything gets right with the world in about four and a half to five minutes.
0: You know what? That's such a that's such a powerful statement right there. Do you know the story behind behind donuts? I don't, Scott. So, you know, again, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about his death, but I think I think you know the best way to start this conversation is to is to is to preface donuts with that. You know, he was very ill. You know, he's on his, you know, on his, you know, he's very ill, very sick. You know, he, he was. I think it was known that he wasn't going to survive. You know. Um, But one thing that you couldn't take away from Dilla was his music You know what I mean? So he's in his hospital bed, laid up, you know, fighting, you know, fighting his illness And he had his 303, right? And he had his records and he had his turntable And he sat there and he cut up those albums And he made donuts while laying in 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 his hospital bed And that album was released literally, you know, days, you know, after, I'm sorry, days before he, days after he passed away. That was his last album, right? And so Stone's Throw released that album days after he passed away. And um, like I said, he made that, you know, laying in his hospital bed. I think that speaks to, number one, his, his work ethic, right? But number two, you know, the love that he brought to the culture man, the love that he brought to the of ours, man.
1: One of the biggest things I like about Dilla man is how you can never, or for me, maybe different for you, but for me, I can never just pick up and listen to a track and be like, oh, that's a Dilla beat. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because he's so eclectic. He doesn't, I mean, I'm sure he has a quintessential sound that maybe a person like yourself and or other producers may be able to pick out. But for me, like, you know, like, you know, people talk about, oh, this this dude is crazy with the drums. And I know Dilla was a big drum head. You know what I mean? He loves the drums. He, you know, Detroit, Michigan. So, you know, that Motown sound always came through. But from the aspect of that one little signature thing that a lot of producers try to hide in all their tracks as their signature i don't think dilla had a signature so you can listen to a track and then look at the liner notes and be like damn that was dilla and and to me that is the greatest compliment because he's not the same from one track to the next track he is not the same and i think that's one of the things that a lot of artists really respected about him
0: well, I think you hit the nail on the head there a little bit. You said, you know, about his drums. I think his signature was his his, his willingness to, to not conform. I, I, I point to uh, a really famous interview with, with uh, Quest Love, as we all, you know, one of the founding members of the Roots. You know, Quest Love is one of the greatest drummers of our, of our generation, right? And so Quest Love recalled very vividly being in the studio with Dilla, you know, listening to, to him program drums to his MPC. And watching Dilla break all the rules that had been taught to Quest Love about how to how to drum. You know, his kicks were off, off the grid. You know, his snares didn't fall on two and four. He programmed it the way he f- that felt good to him. You know what I mean? It was kind of like a like a like a drunken style. You know what, what I right? mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and Quest was like, yo, you can't do that you can't do that you know what i mean but he was kind of at odds with himself because here here we have this 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 classically trained drummer and the framework that he was taught all came crumbling down and the reason why is because he was taught to do the drums like this
1: Right, right, process, process right, the process. Right. The kick
0: goes on the 1, the snare goes on the 2. Right? right? The hats fall in between. And here is Dilla and he's programming the drums any way the hell he wants to, and it still felt good. And that's the number one rule of music, right? It has to feel good. You know what True. I mean? So here's Dilla breaking all these rules about about how drums fall and how the framework is defined, and it still felt good. And Questlove said, and I remember this vividly, he said it changed the way I looked at music. Right. And you know, the rest is history as you know, as the most cliche as the most cliche thing is to say. You know what
1: I mean? Let me ask you a quick question though, Scott.
0: Yeah.
1: Or let me Yeah, let me ask you a quick question. right. So you know, when you and I talk about doing something, what's the first thing we start doing? We start researching, right? Yeah. So of course when I started and I mean, we don't have to research. Dilla that much I mean we we know it. we know who he is we know his tracks yep. but it's just always good to go back and refresh that knowledge like okay just to get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed guess who is intrinsically linked to Dilla
0: there's a few man but my one of my favorite producers of all time Mad Lib just dropped the record mm-hmm. with uh Fred Gibbs that bandana right. was just crazy right. right so but I go back even further I go back even further and he's a, 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 a well-known producer in the underground community. His name is Jun Seba We know him as New Jabez. He's a producer from, <laughs> from Japan. Stop.
1: Just stop. Just stop. What? Just stop.
0: What happened?
1: Just stop. How did you get that right? How did you know exactly who I was talking about? John, it, this is what I do. How did you know that it was exactly who I was talking about? And all right. Okay. Okay. All now, right. It. You got that answer, right? Let me see if you get the second part of the question correct. Okay. Did you know that on the day that Nujubez, sorry, Nujubez passed uh-huh. away, yeah, that there was a 7.3 earthquake that struck off the coast of Japan? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I heard that.
1: How did you know that too?
0: I'll give you even more information. Did you know they had the same birthday, February seventh, nineteen seventy-four? They're born on the same day. and
1: So see, they're linked. See, they're intrinsically links. linked. Yeah. Intrinsically. I remember looking up Dilla like a year or so ago, right? And it happened to be right around his birthday, cause I was gonna, you know, put some stuff up on the page, whatever. Right. And every time I looked at an article on Google, an article below it was Nujabaz. You know what I mean? I go on YouTube, pull up, you know, something I wanted to hear or a video or a uh, interview or something, Nujabaz, Nujabaz pops up. And I'm sitting there and I just remember thinking about it. And I was just like, man, anytime you type in Dilla, Nujabaz pops up, same birthday, incredibly talented producers mm-hmm. untimely demises right. but their music is just far and beyond anything that we've yet to hear well i think i think it was
0: the soul that they came from right it was the the depths of their souls that they came from came out in their music right and it just felt so good right the music that they were able to produce it just felt good like if you look back at that at that first Slum Village album, that Fantastic Voyage.
1: Ooh, that's a that's a banger.
0: The volume one, the rare one, right? The rare one, yeah, volume yeah, one. Yeah. I mean that the album
1: talks about now, but nobody had back then. Nobody
0: had it. It was very hard to find. Still is, right? But that album literally, you know, birthed the Neo Soul movement. Right? So, I mean, so many artists were born from that collection. Of music. I'm talking D'Angelo, Badu, you know Common, you know just that whole vibe. It came from you know that first Slum Village album. You know what I mean? And that's and that's Dilla, and then seeing him, you know, the contributions that he's made. I mean that that last Tribe album, well, the second to last Tribe album, the Love Movement, the Uma. You know that was that was Dilla's imprint was all over that. Some of the seminal De La Soul tracks. You know, Stakes Is High.
1: Oh man, love you know, steaks is hot. That was love Dilla. Love
0: Steaks. Right, man. The far side is on running. I mean, you know, you can't it's really hard to, to pinpoint why it is that those albums were so successful. And I think it's because Dilla and New Jabez and even Mad Live, they tap into why it is we listen to music. It feels right. good. And I think, you know, call me an angry old hip hop head all you want to and I think that's my issue with commercial mainstream music is it's cookie cutter right it comes from it has that machine feel to it like it's just spitting out tracks they're all following the same formula I think these producers nowadays I'm sparking you know specifically commercial mainstream music they're following a formula you know what I mean they're there I think they're kind of scared to step out on their own
1: they all sound like a 60s laugh track on a sitcom. Well, I think not only that, you know man, mean? it's yeah, just it's just so contrived. It's, right. There, There isn't any, you know, Dilla comes from Motown. Motown is soul music. You got to have feeling in the music. You got to have soul in the music. The music, like you already stated, must be an emotional. It, it must be emotion. It must have emotion. Excuse me. And I don't think any, I think it's very difficult for a lot of producers. Today, to do that because they do not take the time to go back and study the the greats because they all want to be. It's just about me right now. It's just about me right now. You feel what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, like I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. I and mean, that's not what this show is about. You know what I mean? It's just about you know the difference. Why it is that here all these years later. You know, we're still talking about Dilla. We're still talking about his influence. We're still talking about, you know, producers that are, you know, who have his music and his style as the standard, as someone that they're shooting for. You know, whose sound they're trying to emulate. You know what I mean? Why, why these songs are so timeless? You know, Madlib again. Madlib just dropped an album like two days ago with Freddie Gibbs, that bandana, and you know, Dilla's influence is all through that is all through it and it makes you feel so good because here we are in 2019 now again Madlib has his own style you know what I mean Madlib has been his own thing from the beginning you know what I mean I'm not saying that Madlib was copying Dilla but there's a reason why those two connected and there are all there are countless articles online that discuss you know that that union right that 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 that, that Dilla Madlib union that that Lib album why they why those two came together and why they hit it off the way that they did is because you know they subscribe to the same essence of of what this music thing is about, man. It's got to feel good at the end of the day. It's got to be true to you. You know what I mean? Mad lib doesn't give. No Madlib don't give a fuck about what's happening commercial. See what I'm saying? Mad lib is going to make music that feels good to him, and he'll tell you that. Like I, any article that's ever come out about Mad lib or Dilla or New Jack, I've read it more than ten times. And okay. they all and they all say the same thing. They make music for them, you see what right. I'm saying? And I think subconsciously, we as consumers of music, we gravitate toward that, whether we understand that or not. You know what I mean? There's a reason why mainstream music goes in one end and out the other, and why we're on to the next thing so easily. There's a reason why that is. It's because it's got no substance. You True. see what I'm saying? But that if you soul, listen, baby. yeah, if you listen to something. Like something that, you know, Dilla may, you know what I mean, go back to those early albums, go back to those fantastic volume one and two, you know, go back to some of them, you know, tribe albums that Dilla was a part of. There's a reason why those tracks are so timeless. It's because, you know, the essence of the music pervades, you see what I'm saying? Like it's it's there you know what I mean there, there, that's something no that's something you can't teach you can't teach that you, and you know when you hear it I, I can't like there aren't words I can't verbalize it properly because it's not meant to be explained right it's only something that can be right. felt you know what I mean and I think you know artists like like Dilla artists like Best, artists like 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 Matt Lip, you know artists like Q-Tip Pete Rock that's why they all come from the same family of musicians you feel me and, uh, no doubt and I think that's why they all kind of gravitated toward each other. You listen to Pete Rock, and, you know, he'll tell you that, you know, you know, him and Dilla ran in the same circles. There's a reason why Q Tip recruited him to the UMA. You know what I mean? He Q Tip knew what he was listening to. He felt that. And Dilla likewise. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's um and there's a reason why here we are, 2019, still talking about
1: it. Well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Yeah, you know, see <laughs> This is going to be my favorite episode Because okay. I get to ask you so many questions yeah, this yeah, I'll sit up here all day I get to ask you so many questions And I get to have you sound like me When we're talking about politics <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Where you just go And you just you just educate people And I love it Let me ask you this though What do you think about Dilla's influence On low-fi hip-hop On low-fi hip-hop
0: Well, to be honest and to be accurate, lo-fi music is is always been around, right? It is right. always it's always been a thing, right? You, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, the allure to lo-fi is there's a there's an authenticity to it, right? It's it's
1: Well, take 2 seconds for those who don't know and explain lo-fi hip hop. Just take right. 2 seconds.
0: All right. So when when you talk about lo-fi music or low fidelity music, it's 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 you're using sample sources that that aren't refined, right? So, for example, if I sample from a tape deck, like an old tape deck, you're going to hear the noise, the hum, the uh, pop, the right? The pop, the crackle of the vinyl, or or the hum of my tape machine, and that's and that's something that I want on the, you know, because it preserves the authenticity of the sample source, right? If there's, you know, there's 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 a genuineness about where i'm getting that music from right so for example if i'm sampling like a like a like a john coltrane i'm not going to sample that from itunes right that 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 compressed digital source right that's not authentic authentic is getting it from that old dusty vinyl record that's sitting in your grandfather's basement right it's got that old kind of cardboard smell to it right it's an original pressing you know what I mean? You throw it onto the onto the turntable, it crackles and it pops, and that's the character. That's the character of of the album, and it, and, it, and it comes through in the song, right? You know, it comes through in that in that Cold Train riff, and when I sample it, right, I'm not processing that in a way to make it sound better from a quality perspective. Those crackles and pops, I want that on my track.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the burnt edges of bacon. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) You know, listen to to the way Questlove described it. Okay. uh, As far as Jay Dilla. He said Jay Dilla felt that hip hop should be the best experience the way that he experienced it. Speaking of the way Jay Dilla experienced it. Okay which was with an amount of imperfection, mm-hmm. sort of lo-fi sounding. Yes. The same thing you just described, yes. which is why I love asking you questions about this type of stuff.
0: Yes, and that's what appeals to me. Like, when I hear a track that's refined, like, you know, there's no there's no character to it. Like, I, I can't hear it. You know what I mean? I, I can obviously hear it. I got ears. I'm not deaf. What I mean is, I don't hear the soul. I don't hear the... Right. I don't hear the, the emotion of... Of the saxophonist, right? I don't hear, I don't hear that, I don't hear the keyboardist, you know, coming off a night of drinking and he's got a hangover, you know what I'm saying? And he's in that, he's in the club, it's at six o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm saying? I don't hear that, that pain, you know what I mean? In his, in his, you know what I mean? In his, in his riff, I don't hear it. When those, those polished tracks, I know I'm talking about like, you know, Whoever the fuck is out right now, you know what I'm saying? You know it's right. the tracks are are are, are, are polished, right? In there, you know they're they're, they're com- too pristine. They're too pristine, and that's cool, right? There's a lane for that, you know what right. I'm saying? There's a lane right. for that. But for me, for me, Scott Pearson, the way I consume music, like I want to hear the character of of the artist, and I think that's something that cannot be reproduced. You know what I mean? So when I choose my sample sources as a producer. I'm looking for the that raw emotion of you know of whatever artist I choose, right? Whether it's a, a jazz pianist or you know or you know uh, uh, a singer who who's in pain and you can hear it. Like you ever listened to an old Billie Holiday track, man? Come uh, on, who are you talking to, yo? I mean, this woman, this woman has been through so much. I'm talking about Billie Holiday, and it comes through in her recordings. And God bless whatever sound engineer was in charge during those sessions they captured that i'm talking coming down from you know whatever heroin stupor she was in hours prior coming you know from the hospital with bruises on her face because she was in many you know uh violent abusive abusive relationships broke you know what i mean The, the music industry is is as shady back then as it is now you know what i'm saying um But the pain, it came through in those recordings and it was preserved, right? It was, you know, it wasn't processed, you know, to make it sound better and cleaner. They kept that pain in those old Billie Holiday tracks. And that's why we love Billie Holiday,
1: because- And if I I may drop a shameless plug in three, two, one, this is why I love your Collinsville album so much, because of everything you just said. And because of the fact that you look at it the same way that Quest Love describes the way Jay Dilla looked at it with respect to the authenticity to the soul of the music. And, this, and that's one of the major things that we've always talked about on the podcast, which is respect to the fact that we love the artist who is authentic. Yep. Give me that authentic artist. Yeah.
0: And I get, I get emotional about it, like maybe overly so. Like when I hear, when I hear, because, you know, like I love hip hop, John. Love it like this it's not more oh I love that no no I love it I grew up in it you know what I'm saying like that's all I know you know what I mean good or bad you know what I'm saying that's all I know the way I dress the way I talk the way I interact with people you know what I mean it comes from that and we we know each other like every you know people that that participate in this coach people that you know that subscribe to this way of thinking, we know each other, and there's there's that all too customary head nod. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? And so, when I hear something that doesn't align with those values, it doesn't align within that framework. I it it sticks out. It sticks out like literally, and I, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. It sticks out like a pile of dog shit on a sidewalk. You know what I'm saying? Like I know that a pile of dog shit is not supposed to be there. And I know that it's, it needs to be cleaned up at some point. You know what I mean? And so when I listen right. to something that doesn't align within the values that I'm talking about, like, I can't hear it. You know what I mean? But when I put on, like, a New Job Best, when I put on like a Dilla, when I put on a Madlib, when I throw on, like, Tribe or, or, you know, or Pete Rock or something like a Premier, I hear it. You know what I mean? There's there's a soul. There's a There's a swing. There's a you know, the, that vibe that touches my soul is there. So therefore, I hear it. You know what I mean? And so, again, I'm not being judgmental. I'm not trying to say that what what's, no, what's, and what's happening now. You don't now. sound judgmental. Yeah, you don't it, sound judgmental. That's not my intent. My intent is to show you where I'm coming from. Really. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and I, and I have to believe that, you know, once anyone, black, white, Chinese, because new Bez was japanese you know what I'm saying? Right. He, he he knew he knew soul he knew authenticity when when he heard it and i got proof because i've got volumes of new job tracks on my laptop you know what i'm saying where i hear soul i hear the inner workings of someone's soul in those in those albums the same way when i hear them you know what i'm saying and those two were from opposite sides of the earth you know what I mean? So it's not a it's not a it's not a black, white thing. It's it's a it's literally a soul thing. and it's true in any type of genre of music. You know what I mean? True and I, that. And I think, you know, that was the that was the attraction to Dylan. And that's why we celebrate him today and every day in hip hop, because his influence was that impactful. You know what I mean? And um, it's still here. Thank God it's still here, you know.
1: Well, when you're getting praise well after you have passed on, and the praise just continues to get better, Mm -hmm. and it's not getting, and let me say this properly, the continued groundswell of praise isn't coming from just fans, it's coming from other artists. You know what I mean? I look at Kareem Riggins, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Jazz drummer, you know, people you may or may not know him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, very accomplished jazz drummer. Check him out. Completely dope, right? Mm-hmm. I know him because my cousin, who's a jazz, who's a drummer by the name of Chucky Fields. He travels a lot. Um, professional. I mean, I am not going to get into his resume. But long story short, he turned me on to Kareem Riggins. And Kareem Riggins has referred to Jay Pilla as the absolute best. Oh, no doubt. So when you flip it around and you're looking at, okay... Dilla's gone. Dilla ain't coming back. So what did he leave us? He left us all this music and all these interpretations of his music so people like you can become producers and and basically carry his style along the same way my family carries along the suffix at the end of our name. You know, it becomes that legacy. Yep.
0: I remember I remember very distinctly the first time I heard his work. I didn't like I'd heard Dilla, I was I was young. I, I I heard Dilla. I I knew that he was a producer in hip hop. I knew that you know he was someone that was getting a lot of noise. And this is um, I was listening to I was in college I think, down at Hampton University, and um I heard Running by by uh by uh Farside. And so the '90s was just hip hop overload, man the the amount the content the amount of music that was released during that decade was unprecedented you know what i mean it was literally unfair <laughs> to those i think that are just getting to know hip hop now you know what i mean i'm talking about in just like a 5 year period we got illmatic ready to die wu-tang i mean midnight marauders it was it was just unfair you know what i'm saying and um I remember hearing Far Side. I remember hearing Running, and it, it made me stop. It made it literally made me stop because I was I had heard something that I was needing, and I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize as to why it made me stop. But that's now as I'm older, and I'm thinking back on that experience. I, I needed to hear that song. I needed to hear, and it was you know, Far Side was a dope crew. It had nothing to do with their lyrics. It had nothing to do with, you know, their rapping style or their rapping skills. It had everything to do with with Dilla's production. The way the drums were hitting, the way he flipped that sample, you know, that guitar. It made me stop. It made me literally check myself. Like, I was, you know, and I had to hear it again and again and again. I must have played that song a hundred times in a row. And I couldn't explain to you why I liked it. I couldn't do it. Like if it's got why are you playing that track? I Me mean, tired of this. Like I just kept, I just kept hit rewind. I kept hearing it. And I, I could I could I couldn't explain to you why I like the track. Right. But I can explain to you now why I like that I like it because <laughs> right. Right. it touched a part of my soul that needed to be touched. You see what I'm saying? And that's the goal. That is the that is why we make music. Speaking from the perspective of a producer, that is why we do it. If I can make something, right, that speaks to you in a way that you needed to be spoken to at whatever time you heard, whatever it is that I made, then then I win, right? Then then I won. And at that moment, you know, Jay Dilla won. You
1: know what I mean? And, right. You know. Let me. Okay. I know. Let me. <laughs> I think I got you. I think I, I got you at one. I think I got you at one. You ready? I hope you do. All right. All right. All right. There's a person that we all know, okay. not famous, uh-huh. that it's just we know, but me, you, our families know, whose birthday is February 7th. They're not an adult. It's somebody's child. Who is it? Oh, I think I really got him at one. I think I, think I got you at one. Uh, yeah, you got I me. I think I got you at one. All right, you ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. It's my son, John. Oh, wow. And you want to hear something crazy about him? What is it? He hates music with words. Wow. That's the way he describes it. All the music... I've been trying to get John into hip-hop forever. Right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing he will say about a track as soon as he hears it is about the beat. Yeah, no, nah, I don't like that. Oh, yeah, that beat's nice. Wow. Oh, yeah, that beat. Oh, Wait, yeah, you like, know what? All meant- of his music, like... Mm-hmm. One of his favorite songs growing up, and it was some stupid little, like, you know, it wasn't wasn't no hip-hop or anything like that, but it was just this instrumental song that would go fast and crazy all out of control. It was just, you know, and it's called Crazy Frog. Mm -hmm. It's just some stupid little song, just some stupid little kid song, Mm -hmm. but it has no words in it whatsoever. It's just all music. And he, to this day, if I put that song on, and he's 17 years old, He'll get this little cheese, little little grin on his face like, I got to remain cool, but that is Crazy Frog. <laughs> uh, well,
0: hey, you know, he probably got some, you know, a little bit of musician in his, you know, well, in his, in his soul, you know what I mean? Well,
1: bees and Dilla and my son. Yeah.
0: Hey, that's pretty significant. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you uh, this collection that I listen to probably for the better part of about two years, right? It's a huge collective music. Samurai, New Bez Production from a Japanese anime, you know, cartoon series. And he did the soundtrack for it. And it's got volumes of music. I'm going to send it to you to get the job. I'm sure he'll like that.
1: Actually, I'll do you one better. All right. I want to give you his data, and you can send it to him directly. No doubt. You know what I mean? Because you need to bring him into that music. You know what I'm saying? Because you know me, I'm all about the lyrics. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, and that's and you that's know, cool yeah. too, because you know, I, yeah. I I do the poetry, man. I, I do the poetry and that's exactly. why I, that's, and that's why where I, I, that's why I jump in. Yeah, that's why I sometimes listening to music, man, it's like literally I'd rather listen to you scratch your nails across a chalkboard, man, because you know, if it's if it's not reaching me on on, on that level too, it's it's hard for me to hear it. I can't hear it. I literally can't hear what it is they're talking about.
1: Yeah, I can listen to a track that has deep lyrics, yeah. and the beat sucks. I mean, when you think about Locksmith, right? Yep. Hip-hop artist out of California. If you don't know, check him out. His beats suck. Sorry, Locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> Invited you on the show several times. Invitation still stands. But, man, you are the most horrible beat picker in the world. I Please, please get with Scott. Let him, I- him
0: do some beats oh, for I'll you. be honest. He-
1: would, Please get uh, with somebody else letting him do your beats cause your lyrics are again, if you don't know about locksmith, he's out in the West Coast. turn on sway in the morning. if if locksmith can do an album just based off of his sway in the morning freestyles, he'd be he'll be triple dime in a week. <laughs> I mean he's his lyrics are that dope. Um, but my point being is, I appreciate these conversations because it teaches me so much. Because for me, as being jumping in on that lyric side from that poetry side, and I know you you dig in very deeply there as well, but that's you know, that's that's the long and the short for me. So to hear you talk about how these beats line up, you remind me, I'm trying to tell you, like an encyclopedia of music, which is what a lot of people said about Dilla. People said about Dilla, like you would you would go in his studio and and he has reams and reams and reams and just rows and racks and racks of albums everywhere, yeah. and they're all alphabetized. Awesome and it. and and he would be able to tell you where something was at the drop of a hat. Well, and he would search through beats and beats and beats, not for. And this is and and this is what you young producers listen to this, all right? First of all, pick up Scott's Collinsville album, <laughs> shameless plug number number two. But but it will it's it's it's. It is almost like reasonable doubt Jay-z right because it gives you the blueprint on on how to do this thing. So when you when you listen to a Diller and one of the things that makes his beat so intricate is he will chop down beats the same way or like you do like him rather since you know he came before you he's your he'll chop down beats to the minus minute detail just to get a slither of a sound. And that slither and that's why it's hard to steal his stuff. Because that slither of a sound may have come from a Billy Holiday track or some or something that you don't that you don't even hear the whole thing. You just hear that little that little thing, that little two second bing. And that little two second bing that you don't even really pick up brings that whole track together. Yep. It makes it sound so much better.
0: Well, you you touched on something that's incredibly important. I think something that I picked up from um Primo. Um actually no, who said this? Was it XRP? Yeah, Large Pro. I was watching an interview with Large Professor a few years ago. Actually, a long time ago. And he said that in order to be even an average producer, the number one skill that you need to have is to be a listener. You need to know how to listen. Right. And so you go back into what you said about Dilla and all the albums that he had. And that was legendary. His vinyl collection was legendary. He's got. Yeah, they say he's got storage containers, you know, all over in in multiple states, you know what I mean, with his with his vinyl collection, you know, some of them, I'm sure, have been have been lost. You know what I mean? But that's that's called an education. You know what i mean having all those records having all that source material available to you there's a lot of sessions a lot of listening sessions that go into breaking those albums down and that's an education man you know digging into those you know and, and again that's genreless. like i can guarantee you if you we were to go through if you we were you know, given the opportunity to go through Dilla's vinyl collection, I can guarantee you this album's from all different genres, classic Oh, man, I'm
1: sure he's so eclectic. Yeah. He has to be eclectic.
0: Yeah, classical, country, you name it. I'm sure there's a lot of soul, but I'm sure there's a lot of rock and everything else. You know, hip-hop music is, is kind of the Frankenstein of all of that, right? And and chopped up and put together in a way that that feels good. You know what I mean, and that's authentic to the culture. And you know what better education than than sitting and listening to those albums and pulling little bits and pieces from all those, you know, to, to make your record, man. But you know, you got to be a listener. You know, and I gotta believe that there was no better listener than Dilla. I mean, listen to some of the tracks, like even Running. I mean, where did he get that loop from? And he won't tell you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, it's, sure. it's 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 that's. That secret is, is, is. You know yeah. what I mean? It's but, in the sauce. Yeah, and that's. You know, it's it, it, it's it's a lot more than just picking the obvious sample. It's picking, it's picking. You know, the samples that mean something to you. That means
1: right. something. You know, so, it's that emotion. Right. And he comes from that Motown sound. Right. How else would he be able to have such a, that, that soulful draw? You know what I mean? When you hear a... When I find out, you know, theres I would say I could pick out probably, and this is because I've heard (laughs) him, but if it was, and I'm just being frank, if it was a brand new song that I didn't know that Dilla produced, it would be hard for me to pick it out until I found the liner notes because to me, he's, because he comes so different because he's so eclectic, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I might be able to say to myself like, man, this beat is really intricate. I wonder if Dilla did it. And that's probably the closest I'll be able to come until I read the liner notes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got a unique sound, 100%. And um, you know, his influence, his influence is still felt today.
1: You know, it's, no doubt, man. No, no doubt. Thing- so I got, okay. I got another one for you. Okay. I got another one for you. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Now I know how much you hate lists, so I'm not going to tell you. Uh, so this isn't. So this isn't a list. No, seriously, it isn't a list. It is not a list. But we do have to, because it is only an hour show. We do have to put some sort of limitation on what I'm about to ask you. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll Forrest Gump it and you'll be gone for years. <laughs> yeah. But if you had to put in just an order that is right now, give me five Dilla tracks that you will always sit there and be like, I can go to that one. I can make music from that one. I can make music from that one.
0: Make music from it or listen to it and get inspiration from
1: it? Um, either way, either way, either way, why don't why don't okay, let's make it interesting. Give me give me five and five. Give me five that you can make music from and five that you can get inspiration from. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. See, Ooh. I like asking you questions that make you think. People don't know. People don't know how deep that brain is. I like it. I like it, I like it. Mm. All right, five let's... tracks that are your muse, five tracks that you're like, yeah, I'll use that.
0: Well, I've already yeah. said I've already said running. I think I say running is my favorite Dilla track. And again, it, it just it's just the way it makes me feel. You know, I can't really. Like, to me, that's my standard. Like when I make music, I don't stop until I feel. like I, so I'm on that track you know what I'm saying until I'm on the way to feel like I I don't think I'll ever make a song that makes me feel the way I felt when I first heard Running. you know what I'm saying but um see so you running to me would be the, would be like my my go-to dealer track um second I would probably say stakes is high stakes is high to me I don't know. It it was, it signaled a departure from what De La Soul was doing. You see what I'm saying? Like, I never looked at De La Soul as as a group that would be in your face, like, punch you in the mouth. Like, look, this is the state of hip-hop. But if you go back and listen to Stakes is High, you know what I mean? And listen to the message that especially Pasta Noose was bringing. I mean, they were angry. Feel me? De La was was mad about what was happening in hip-hop. And that beat, that beat that Diller came with to do that was was completely bananas. Was completely bananas. And um, like I don't know, man. I just think that that for me running in and stages high kind of represent my go-to from from a Dilla perspective. Um there were some other tracks that he nice, came with. Nice, That's,
1: I like that breakdown.
0: Especially, um, like, if you look at um, Beats and Rhymes, you know, that, that Tribe album, you know, that was not the most celebrated album. And a lot of people were angry at Tribe submission. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved that album to death. I think that they nailed it. Beach Rhymes in Life, to me, was one of my favorite Tribe albums, and I think the reason why people didn't like it, because it was a departure from Q-Tip's production, and kind of an introduction to the mainstream, anyway, of Dilla, right? So, one of my favorite songs on that album is Jam. You know, I think it was, it had like, you know, it had this bounce to it, and you know, I can't really, again, I can't really verbalize what it is about that track that that attracted me to it, man, but it's got that Dilla signature to it. It's got that quirkiness to it. It's got kind of that off-kilter, you know, strangeness about it that that attract me to Dilla-type tracks. You know what I mean? So, running stakes is high, jam, and then just throw on donuts and just start from the beginning and don't stop until you get to the end. Straight up. Straight up, man. That song has got no structure. I mean, that song. That album has got no structure. I know what you mean. It's got no direction. It's got no cohesiveness about it. It is all it.
1: over the place. It's it all, is all yeah, over the
0: place. It's all over the place. And that's his, that's his swan song. You know what I mean? Like.
1: That's his opus.
0: Yeah. Like donuts, it's not something that you can kind of say, oh, I want to go, you know, fast forward to track number five. or track, You know, nah, you got to start from the beginning. You know what I mean? Because in the chaos that donuts is, it's a, it's a, it's a peek into the mind. It's a sliver in time. Where Diller lets you into his mentality as he was dealing with his own mortality. He's laying there in his hospital bed. I'm quite sure he was giving the news that he was not going to survive. And he was he was given his stack of 45s. He was given his 303. Pretty sure his mold was in there. And he did what he had to do to deal with that situation. And then we were given that gift. We were given donuts as a result. Right. you know right. what I mean So,
1: alright so now those are the ones you're going to grab from so now the Muse give me five that's just the sit back I'm just going to put on my headphones eyes closed no lights I'm just in a corner and this is what I'm zoning to
0: I love that question I love that question because
1: my Muse
0: is not a song my muse is an entire album and that's that first Slum Village joint Fantastic Volume 1 because when I heard that I knew I was listening to something different I knew it was something that was way to the left of anything that I was listening to at that time and I knew it was touching a part of my soul that, um, that, that wasn't being touched with what I was listening to, even though I was consuming some pretty dope music at the time. When I, le- when I heard that Slum Village joint, and it was something that nobody in my crew was listening to. Everything was pretty much mainstream with that. But when I heard that Fantastic Volume 1, I knew that I was listening to something different. Right. And so it's another one that, you know, even though there are tracks that are my favorite, I start from the beginning, and I don't stop until I get to the end. You know what I mean? And I love kind of the backstory to that. I mean, Dilla had them record their vocals to to a metronome. See what I'm saying? And then he went back and he made the beats later. So, you know, they didn't even have the the benefit of having music backing to their to their vocals. He did that. He did that after the fact. I got you. But it was just that different. So that's anytime I need. So. I know I'm rambling, man, but anytime, no, you're anytime, no, you're,
1: not. you're not rambling at all. This is, I'm thoroughly entertained by this because I enjoy you digging into your closet like this and bringing out all this knowledge. So, for those young producers that are out there, also just for regular hip hop heads like myself, mm-hmm. it helps me understand hip hop even that much more because there's so much more that goes into it than just you know sitting down writing out some dope lyrics. This is a whole process,
0: no doubt. Anytime I need inspiration, man, I throw on that fantastic volume one and volume two. I was in a, I was in Generation Records in the Village a couple years ago. This is on the campus of NYU. For those of you not familiar with New York City, in Greenwich Village, there's a there's a record shop called Generation Records. It's on Bleecker. and I believe it's Bleecker, Bleecker or Thompson, one of the two. But anyway, you walk in the record shop, and it looks like any record shop you've ever walked into. They got the DJ sit on the left. They got the jazz sit on the right. They got the pop records in the back. You know what I'm saying? They got whatever's moving at the moment is behind the desk, up on the wall. You know what I'm saying? But then they got this little sign next to the in the back that says more downstairs. And it looked like somebody got a black marker. <laughs> and they wrote it on like a, some Xerox paper.
1: Right, right. Here, put that over there.
0: Yeah, there's more downstairs and it's taped up on the wall and it's kind of yellowing those couldn't be the most underrated words of all time there's more downstairs and you could easily walk past it and not realize that there's more downstairs but go downstairs if you go downstairs you will get the best education of your life you go downstairs and they got sound effects records pressed in the 60s where you can get two minutes of just bees you see what i'm saying thunderstorms you know whatever they got old soul records. I'm talking, you know, Sarah Vaughan, original presence of Billie Holiday. And these records have character. They're old. Some of them got scratches on them. You can tell it. $2, $3. And I was in the uh, in one of the dollar bins. And there was an old, beat up Slum Village vinyl. You know what I'm saying? Fantastic yeah. volume one. The, the The cover was ripped up. Whoever had it didn't take care of it. And um, I picked it up and I stared at it. And I'm like, yo, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? And the guy, i never forget the guy that was sitting behind the counter because there were two counters, one upstairs and one downstairs. The right. guy downstairs, never forget it. White guy, long beard, looked like he was- uh,
1: Rick Rubin. Yeah, looked like Rick Rubin.
0: <laughs> but you real skinny, you know what I'm saying? Right, kind of right. sitting there. And I'm staring at the album, and I keep turning it over, looking at the back. I can't believe what I got in my hand.
1: Right, right.
0: Is this real? It's real. Like, I'm holding I can't believe I got this. And I keep looking at it. I take the record out. I must have took it out of the sleeve a million times. Like, it was going to be something different. You know what
1: I mean? (laughs) Right, right.
0: And, of course, I'm going to buy it. It was like $2. (laughs) It was like $2. You know, it was beat up. And I picked up a couple other albums and i went up to the counter and i was i was getting ready to pay for my for my purchase and the guy he looked at me he said hey i seen you in here a couple of times he was like um i see that you really you know you really love music really appreciate you know what i mean what's down here a lot of people don't come down here he was like it's dark down there it's got a musty smell to it man but you embrace that as a vinyl collector as a lover of music you embrace that and he and he, he's flipping through my collection and he starts ringing it up and he gets to the to the to the slump village and he's like, I'm not going to charge you for this. I said, what you mean you're not going to charge me for this? This is a rare album. I mean, I've seen right. it on eBay. I mean, a couple right. hundred dollars. He's like, oh, I'm not going to charge you for this. He was like, the look on your face when you <laughs> held it. He was like, that's why I sit down here in this basement. You know nice. what I mean? To see people like you come through here and appreciate. Because he's like, how do you think these records got in here? Me you know, and the staff here, we go through boxes of albums and we put them out here so that people can you know, can enjoy them. You know what I mean? Kind of like, kind of like an old book, right? You know, where do books go to die? Think about it, right? Wow. Where do books go to die? You know what I'm saying? This is where albums go to die. You know what I'm saying? And so the fact that this album now has been given new life for someone like you, he's like, that's priceless to me. He was like, this is on me, man. And he threw it in the bag and he was like, have a nice day. And I still got (laughs) the album right here. I'm looking at it right now. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it's, it's why I do what I do. It's, it's why we do this podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's why I get angry when I turn on the radio and I hear bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think people need to get back mm-hmm. to the education of hip hop, of, of, you know, hip hop, to understand where this is coming from, to understand the depths of soul that this music is coming from, to understand, you know, how much creativity, how much effort it takes to do this. And not just hip hop, jazz, country, whatever.
1: No doubt, no doubt. You know what
0: I'm saying? Art takes takes time to takes, create, takes effort. It comes from <laughs> it comes from a place. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, you know, I get angry when I hear like, you know, and again, not angry like, oh my God, I'm mad, I'm pissed. Not angry like that. I get disappointed is the correct word when I hear like some of these, you know, producers on YouTube and things because I see those videos, I watch them. Oh, I, I do. I make five beats a day. No, you come on, man
1: right how are you making five beats a day unless that's, you just paste unless it's copy yeah. paste play
0: that's not impressive. copy paste play that's not impressive to me man what's impressive to me is if you would have said something like i took my time i do on this album whatever the album is classical music whatever and i listened i didn't hear it i listened you know what i'm saying i may have got that backwards
1: but you know what i'm saying Oh, of course. And everybody listening knows what you're saying yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I digested what I was hearing. I listened to that saxophone. I heard Coltrane. Like, I understood he had a heroin problem. And I, and I understood that the emotion behind his 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 solo came from a place of struggle. It came from a place of pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that that's why that saxophone sounded that way. You know what I mean? He was escaping, for those two minutes, he was escaping his addiction problems. You know what I mean? And he poured his emotion of of losing his family, of losing his career into that saxophone solo. And that's what Dilla found when he was listening to those albums. Yo, I felt Coltrane. I felt Billie Holiday. I felt Sarah Vaughn. I felt, you know, Herbie Hancock tickling those keys. I felt, you know what I mean, Cannonball Adderley. I felt them, and so I injected their their pain, their soul into my music, and I and they were they were given rebirth.
1: You know what I mean? So no doubt, man, no doubt. Whenever I hear music, man, I hear one or two things. I either hear through the music, I either hear the I'm sorry, mm-hmm. or I hear the celebration. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I really dig in on those producers who can bring both of those type of emotions in one track and dillick has done that time and time again
0: when i hear good shit it makes me want to go make something but not make something like what i just heard that's the only difference like they take the inspiration and, and, and yeah and then goes and do the exact same thing I, I, don't, I don't understand that you know what i'm saying where what i feel when i make music is like energy but it's it's not like I'm not thinking about Premiere when i make no, it. No. I'm not thinking about Pete Rock. I love their work. I love so, Dre. I love. You singing. got any inspiration source? Like, just like old records. It, what it is old, old records? Um, you know how I feel for the day. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't understand like um, how how the shit comes to me. Or when I feel the urge to work, you know, it just happens. Just like like I said, it's a move. You know what I'm saying? Some days I wake up and I might not want to want to make anything. Yeah. But I will get a phone call from Pete Rock. Yeah, and it's just back to the lab. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like anything will push me like that but I don't have a set time like I just go in the studio at 5 o'clock or 5 o'clock you know it's kind of whatever